Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. I'm your host Brian and before we get into this week's episode, find us and follow us on social media, just search for Concerts That Made Us podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, it really helps the show grow. Follow and subscribe on your favourite podcast player of choice and of course YouTube. Check out the website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com and if you'd like to support the show you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concertsthatmadeus. Now I have to apologise about my voice, I have a bit of a sore throat but don't worry this episode was recorded a couple of weeks ago so anyway my guest this week is a bit of a special one. It's Arno Carsons, lead singer of the legendary Springbok Nude Girls, one of the biggest and best bands to ever come out of South Africa. I really had a lot of fun on this episode. I think Arno's relaxed personality and great sense of humour really comes through on this episode. I mean, I think 90% of the episode is just us having a good time. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show.
Carsons, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Oh, fantastic. Lovely to be here. I've had a, a couple of rock stars on in the past now, but it's not very often I get a, a rock icon on the show. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so um, you guys have just released an album that is possibly your best one yet. After 25 years, what's your secret? Um, the secret, the secret, I think, is perception. You know, for for us, we all got our own special albums. This one um, surprised us all. Um, it is just that weird thing where you just never know when something's going to be good or, or or you know what. It is a kind of a roll of the dice. Whenever you wrote, uh, whenever you're writing an album, you are writing in that moment of time. So. Um, sometimes you're in a, in a good place. It might be personal or, you know what I mean? There's so mm. many factors. So you just don't know when when you are going to be able to write a good album. Yeah, yeah. So there's no magic elements where you can, you're writing a song and you instantly know it's going to be a hit. Yeah, uh, well, when it comes to that as well, when writing kind of hits or whatever, um, the fact is... Um, my perception of a hit is so much different. I've had so many fights with uh, Theo, the guitarist in the Springbok Nuckles, because we would have these competitions and I would say, this is a fabulous hit. Yeah. This is a great one. And then he would say another song and eventually he would always win. So, <laughs> you know, uh, what I like um, and what other people like is sometimes two different things. Yeah, yeah. I actually noticed that in your documentary, you had mentioned that uh, you had picked Genie and Theo had picked Blue Eyes. And of course, Blue yes, Eyes of won. course, Genie is a fabulous song. Yeah, yeah. I have. It is a fabulous song, but I think I'd be more on Theo's side. Blue Eyes for me, it, uh, it just wins. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's your first release in your first studio release in 13 years why why now why was the time and right for now uh it is it is it's just that thing of time everything happens for a reason i mean we recorded the album i think two two years ago or something and it just took a long time to mix because of um because we can't we were self-financing it and theo it produces a lot of stuff and he obviously got to produce stuff that makes him money. Hmm. So, um, and then there was COVID and all all the all the weird stuff that was just happening. So, um, but I believe that music comes out and happens for a reason. I do, you know. When if, uh, if people ask me to 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 kind of, to also maybe um, sing with them on a song or whatever, I always say kind of yes because it's even if you say yes, the chances of it probably being successful is kind of who knows, uh, over getting made. So 
Um, these things, music happens if it should happen. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to ask: Are you and Theo having a bit of a, a bet on any songs from the current album? Well, um, everybody's been saying that. Uh, a lot of people's been t- saying, including Theo, that um, Crystal Ball is a hit, mm. and I. <laughs> I said no. That's, it's a good song, but it's not a hit. Right. And, uh, it's probably. Uh, I think radio will probably go more for something like Flashlight. That was the commentary on uh, this album. Right, right. But everybody is. Uh, everybody is. Uh, we're all in the same boat when it comes to um, emerging submarines. The first song of the album. Uh, you know, I always believe the first song of an album must be a, 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 a kicker, or you know, must set the a bit of a bowl over situation. Yeah. So um, I think we all are thinking the same, that that was a good choice. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So it's an interesting song as well. What are the, what's the meaning behind it? Emerging Submarines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the whole, uh, sort of the lyrically, it, the music kind of dictates the lyrics in a certain way. And it was just this low rumbling, um, like Theo came up with the guitar riff and we were all in the room and we were jamming it, developing it. And it just had this low rumble, like the ants uh, are my friends. Uh, um, what's that? The ants are my friends, Hi- highly trained mole men. <laughs> it just had this underground vibe. <laughs> and where I live, I live in Simonstown in the Cape Town area, and um, this is where the Navy is. And we've got our, our South Africa's two submarines uh-huh. here in the bay. So, um, you know what I mean? It's just got, a, it's kind of a playful, but also there's a, you know, there's, it's always, there's always little specks of uh, how we project um, what we see around us on TV, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I getcha. Yeah. Always a little bit of that in it, but a lot of humor kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely you can definitely pick up on it anyway. It's a, another great song. If I had to pick my personal favorites from the album, though, it'd be Emerging Submarines and of course Crystal Ball. You see, they Theo wins again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he uh I think he definitely knows what he's what he's talking about when he's picking the songs. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't bode well for my solo album, I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> you uh you mentioned before recording you're actually currently working on your your upcoming solo album. Is there anything you can tell us about it? Uh well, it's done. Uh I'm just trying to finish the artwork and um we got it. We finished it last work, the mastering, everything. Um, uh, look, what it is the, for me in my solo capacity, I've been putting out every three months a new song mm. for last. So this is almost like the last two years music kind of thing. Um, now compiled as an album um, with a whole bunch of new stuff. But um, yeah, that's that's quite cool. So. In a, it's a, it's a v- different world we're living in uh, when it comes to making albums now because you make it like little bits and it's fantastic because the the I think the quality of of the songs are better. Really, because you spend more time in production, concentrating on it being kind of a single thing. 
Not that it has to be, but you know what I mean. You just kind of you you would you would always go that way. Yeah, yeah. So you prefer the music scene or the music world nowadays compared to when you started? Would you say? Yes, I, I I'm definitely enjoying it more right now, and it's it's a kind of a dichotomy because or a weird situation because as musicians we don't want to give our music away for free because it costs us a lot of money to make. But that is what is happening. But then at the same time, I love listening to Apple Music or Spotify and just the fact that it's, I mean, I make my own playlist all the time. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. But uh, so in the music world, it's forced musicians now to, instead of waiting for, in the, in the 90s, it was every four years you might bring out, you can bring out an album, you know, because you were the rest of the time that album. But now... These days, it's every three months, I think, uh, you can bring out a song, and uh, it's fantastic. It keeps us in the studio. It's much more creatively. It, I think it's a fantastic thing, you know. I think some things need to be sh- sorted out a little bit, but um, as a musician, I feel very alive at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's also a great way to keep you at the forefront of people's minds. You know, when there's songs coming out so close together, you're always releasing new music for people to sink their teeth into so to speak and it's kind of a thing that comes from the 70s and 60s isn't it it's like Mm. in the old days they used to do singles yeah Uh, my i've got a uh, my friend of mine is called uh, mike rutherford from uh, mike Mike and the mechanics and genesis and he says that uh, we we were talking about this and he says well that's how they used to do it in the old days, they used to put out singles, and they would if, if the single did well, then the next month they'll bring out a single. It sounds pretty much the same. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that explains a few things about the 60s and 70s hours. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we'll um we'll move on to your gigs in your early days. So um growing up in South Africa, it must have been tough at times. What was your exposure to music while growing up? Yeah. So I lived in a small town um, where we couldn't pick up the cool radio station. (laughs) 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 Here we go. This is why I've got weird taste in music. So, (laughs) But somehow me and my two friends, um, they used to uh, order music. We used to get a magazine, a zine or something. Hmm. NMP, like a little newspaper. And in that, we will check what is cool and what is... So we would order music from um, from from Europe or London. Yeah. Uh, and it was fantastic. We used to get the tapes. And so we had, we had the Smiths and we had all the stuff. And um, anyway, the live scene was there was nothing there, right? Hmm. And so I think the first rock band thing I saw was Johnny Clegg and, uh, and Savuka or something uh, in the town hall. And it was um, it was a very interesting experience because it was still a little bit in the apartheid days, hmm. um, but it, it was a fantastic thing because it was just it started weird and then eventually we were all just dancing. You, it, it was a fantastic experience. Music brings people together. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. It was me and the me and our uh, priest and. Uh, all, all different groups of people and eventually but the, the the thing is the priest had a fantastic spirit so <laughs> <laughs> we were parting it up uh that was fantastic and then um 
that was it. That was it. Eventually, my friend stole his mum's um, car pickup, and then we would drive through to the full Freiburg, which was this anti-apartheid music m- movement about uh, with Afrikaans people mm. making uh, this just uh, incredible, incredible. It was an incredible movement. Uh, so it was very exciting, uh, my thing. And then eventually, I went out of school, went to the army, went to try to go study. And then we started the Springbok Nuckels, and then I left my job, thank God, because I had <laughs> nightmares about it. And um, <laughs> since then, I haven't looked back, you know what I mean? So Yeah. When you came together, was this was there much practice? Was there much time just spent messing around on instruments, or was it instantly, we want to form a band, we want to start playing gigs? Yes, it was quite instantly. I went to, I met Theo first. Our girlfriends introduced us to each other. I went to him and then we had a four track recorder, whatever, and we instantly quickly recorded two songs. Then we had a show, so then we needed a bassist and a drummer. I went to go see this band called Moaning Lisa, and I thought I, thought I really liked the, the drums and the bass, reminded me of the House of Love kind of thing. It was very nice. So I said, well, we should get them in. And then we did our gig. And because it was a student time, it was after apartheid, there was the Madiba magic in there. It it kind of was just magical, you know what I mean? So everything was always sold out. It was just students and it was a massive party. And so our first gig was sold out. And then it just rolled out from there. And then we came up with the name. Then uh, when we had a real gig, I had to come up with a name. And I said, well, how about Springbok New Girls? And the one guy said, but there's no girls in the band. I said, yes, exactly. That's why it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we played, and then Adrian came in, he said, but he must play with us, trumpet, which wasn't a big grunge thing in those days. But uh, I thought that is, uh, I like it. You know, <laughs> everybody likes it because uh, that's the way it is. You know, it's the magic. Um, and then he just started playing with us, and that's how the band kind of formed. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely an interesting take having a, a trumpet in there. But I have to ask, those early days after you thought of the name, how I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times, but how many times did you get someone coming up to you saying, what's this? Where are the girls? Yes. So um, there was a lot of talk about that, but then uh, I remember we went for uh, – a sound check in this bond building. And it was full of middle-aged guys just sitting out, checking out the windows and just having drinks in a kind of a small town. And then eventually, <laughs> halfway through our, our, our sound check, the place was empty again because they made oh. <laughs> This is not correct. But they just all sit there. And it's a small town, but they sit there individually staring out a window. <laughs> and it's, I mean, that's just so weird. Why don't they chat to each other? Because they're there for some sleazy, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could imagine their faces when you guys came on, so. <laughs> and, and I mean, it was basically sounds like metal music. Yeah. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> what was the what was the point when you realized we could actually make a go of this? The band is is something that's going to work. 
Um, you know, um, there, there's a there's a feeling and there's a buzz, and you get booked a lot at festivals and stuff. So you realize there's something happening, but then it's also just about um, it starts to feed itself. You know what I mean? Because it becomes a way of life. It was never an intention. It was such a natural thing that it just started to happen, and you go with the go with the flow because man, it's money and it's fantastic. It's actually actually more money than a lot of my buddies who's been studying for years, but then eventually, you know, it, it's how uh, you just, I was always into the arts and stuff. So that was what I was going to do in any way. So if it's painting or music, but whatever, it's the only thing I know how to do. So there was no question about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're very lucky then that both of them actually, you turned them into a career, music and art. Yes, 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 yes. I, I th- I'm very persistent. Hmm. You must have a very, uh, a very strong work ethic. Um, I, you know, I never used to. Ugh, flip, I don't know. You know what? I can tell you one thing. I stopped drinking about three years ago, and I have to tell you, since then, there's nothing else to do. I can only, I can only <laughs> yeah. watch so much TV. So now I just paint and I write songs, and it's it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Other times we were just driven by. Real life, you know what I mean? Record companies and stuff like that. And, and also, you know, I, I do like what I do. So it's cool to be able to you get a cool idea. Of course, you're going to go write it down quickly. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I think that's the, the secret to life anyway, to make sure you can do something you like doing and it doesn't feel like work. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So back in the, the days then, you guys, I've, I've heard that you used to party hard. And do you think the rock star life helped with the band, with writing lyrics and the experiences you were having led to greater songs? Or, um, You know, um, when we were uh, in, the, in the runner, in, in, in the thing of the, all those years, everything... F- was quite natural. Hmm. It felt very natural. Um, it wasn't really about lyrical content. And stuff. Yeah, it's about interesting stuff. I mean, you're going to write interesting stuff, but it was, uh, for the Springbok Nichols, it was more about the live show, the energy and the stuff. And so what was the question? <laughs> the, uh, the party in the rock star life the experiences you were having. Oh my God, that just answered itself, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It, must, it must have had a bit of influence. <laughs> yeah, long-term effects. No, um, I must say I'm one of the lucky ones. Uh, I, uh, I could kind of walk away on my own terms, but not everybody, and we've lost a lot of friends and stuff. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's, but it was great. I would not do anything differently. And um, look, there's a couple of songs that I could have, could have probably sang better if my voice wasn't so um, distorted by hangovers and part from all the partying and stuff like that. But it's part of history, whatever, you know. Um, no, we had a lot of fun. And uh, I think everything happens, uh, you know, as it should. You know? mm. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> what um what would you say if you can think of one on the spot now? What would you say was the the 
best gig you've ever played or the highlight if you had to pick one? So there was this place called River Club that we used to play in Cape Town and it was about 800 capacity, I think. And it was when we played there, it was always sold out and that was fantastic. And we used to play with this band called Batre Nege, that's this industrial band, this electronic industrial and uh, quite visual. So they were a great band to play after us because it was just fantastic. Um, and then, um, okay, then they, of course, jeez, uh, there were so many, but then the, I think that the one with In Excess was fantastic. We opened for In Excess. We're on their Elegantly Wasted tour. Hmm. It must have been amazing. Yeah, that was a month before Michael Hutchinson died kind of oh, thing. So, but that was really cool. It was, it was just, I mean, it was so many, we did a couple of shows with them and it was Fantastic. The first of everything is normally fantastic, isn't it? I actually uh, heard somewhere that he had been standing in the side watching you guys, and he said that you were the the best live band he'd ever seen. That must have been an amazing compliment to receive from someone like him. Yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. But yeah, so that was fantastic. And then there was also just because it's it, these are experiences, but I mean also the um, opening up for you two in uh, was also fantastic. Because it's such a massive, the, the, the stage experience, I mean, these guys are. Yeah. Massive. And also a fantastic show. And then um, these moments of playing in these weird little clubs that is so small and that is so full to the brim, but the sound is so massive. And you touch the roof and the sweat from the roof puts <laughs> on you. Yeah. Those are actually the coolest shows, you know. Yeah. When you wait with the audience sweat. <laughs> I was actually thinking that you'd uh, you'd pick them as the coolest ones. I was going to ask, would you prefer to play the big festivals or the smaller, more intimate clubs? A lot of musicians always choose to go for smaller, more intimate gigs. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's nice to experience the big ones as well. You know, they, if you have a good... Uh, we had a good one. We had a good show as well with Pixies. That was fantastic. So at Kirsenbosch and the beautiful venues, it's also the venues that makes it incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had some, uh, I, I did a little thing with Paolo Dittini in Germany. It was great. And Simple Minds was fantastic. Um, so I've done a lot of these shows where I played with a lot of uh, interesting people. Yeah some pretty amazing experiences there and to to get to i'm sure you got to hang out with those guys as well just amazing experiences yeah i tell you i can tell you one thing one of the best uh, one of the nicest people ever was celine dion <laughs> really <laughs> the five nights opened for her at the o2 new guy and she was absolutely the, the nicest lady ever she and her late husband uh, I mean, they'll send us flowers before every show every night. And oh. Really incredible. She actually comes across as one of the, the people that you would imagine is just as nice as she seems. Yeah. You yeah. know, it doesn't seem to be false with her. Yes. And then, of course, everybody's favorite in the world is, uh, what's his name from Foo Fighters? Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems to be the nicest man in show business at the moment. Definitely. Yeah. 
good on him. <laughs> Is the Joe Rogan of rock? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how we'd feel about, about hearing that now, that he's the Joe Rogan of rock. <laughs> Joe Rogan is the Joe Rogan of Joe Rogan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you, one of the nicest shows I've ever seen was, um, was of course, Placebo. And uh, also, um, what is the band called? Uh, Massive Attack. Oh, my God, Massive Attack. Because the sound is hypnotic. It just goes like this. The whole audience just moves. It's, it's, it's in, you don't see that a lot. It's fantastic. Yeah, it almost seems like, a, for lack of a better word, a cult experience if you're in the crowd at a Massive Attack concert. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they seem like they're really able to get the crowd on the one mindset and just, as you said, hypnotic almost. Yes, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, what, uh, that's what you get uh, if you do small clubs. Hmm. You know, like... Uh, big rock, small club kind of thing. Um, they're closest of the people and, and the music and each other's sweat and stuff. I mean, I think that's that it also becomes this kind of a hypnotic. Ah, oh, <laughs> that is exactly what, what, what the old people used to say about rock. It's satanic and <laughs> <laughs> yes, evil. Whatever. Cut <laughs> that part out. <laughs> it's just a good vibe, you know, it's a good spirit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> we'll flip it around a bit then. And if you can talk about them, is there any worst experiences at gigs you've had? Um, worst experiences? Well, the worst experience is possible is probably, okay, there was this long catwalk. I was running backwards in a kind of a Michael Jackson niche kind of way. <laughs> right. I thought I was working out my steps. I was just, it was a very instant thing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I ran backwards straight off the stage. It was like a two meter high thing. Oh. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, it was quite a shock. I was in the audience and uh, Anyway, it just was just was just super high, man. And um, anyway, I made my way back. So that was that, that was quite weird. And the other time, um, Theo, the guitarist, we're on stage. I think it's the one and only time we ever did cocaine on stage. But anyway, really, the guitarist uh, fell through the stage, <laughs> but he had wireless, <laughs> so. He was under the stage, and but the music, he was still going on with his lead guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but you're all, we're also in our own worlds because this is, this is yeah. an experience and maybe, maybe a bad experience. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Theo comes, he comes, by the, he comes up on the side of the stage again from the back and you're like, oh, all right. So there was there was that, and then there was this one time we 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 also did we, we tried things. So we tried to take mushrooms before we play. Right. And we played, but the thing is, mushrooms sometimes makes you kind of feel very tired, and mm. then up and then tired. 
So we were playing out of time and into time. And into time. <laughs> right. It, it was, uh, there's a song called Bruce Bleed that I wrote for Bruce Lee's son who got, you know, got yeah. the, the accident. And, um, and if the song would go slow and faster and it started to feel quite kind of strange. Well, and, I can um, imagine. <laughs> maybe not. It's like a bad <laughs> So, yeah, I think those are moments that uh, that may be bad, uh, maybe not that great, but uh, I would, it's 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 good stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm sure while playing on mushrooms as well, to you guys, you probably sounded perfect, but the crowd were probably. <laughs> oh, no, no, I knew there was something wrong. It's just well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. I always thought that was an interesting thought process that would lead to the idea of taking hallucinogenics before you get on stage i always thought you'd have to be like on point when you get on stage no you have to but you see when you're young you've got to try these things out and see so what's going to happen now (laughs) (laughs) so you do it once you know Mm. um also smoking a joint before you play a gig is a terrible idea. You can't remember yeah. any of it, man. <laughs> You're like a half a beat behind the band. <laughs> I think the gay people can do it, and I definitely cannot do that. <laughs> oh man. I'm sure the partying, the the drugs, the whole lifestyle, was that a factor that led to you guys breaking up or as you should have put it, taking a hiatus? needed yes um no it was also that and we were we were reaching um we, we hit the, the ceiling in south africa and we had this opportunity to move to new york and but then um with some you know nice music prospects but then the the ba- uh, the basses had a wife and a kid already and uh, we were just kind of seven years of screaming at people and being drunk and debauches and, uh, i have to know about this um Maybe that. We should have taken a break. That's it. Band should never say, oh, we're going to break up. It's a stupid thing to do. Just say silently. Don't even tell anybody. Just take a break. You know? Yeah. Just don't gig or release an album for a couple of years and then. Yeah. It, it feels like a Sabian did that, isn't it? I just Actually, yeah. I'm a little bit because I'm a big Sabian fan. So. Yeah, actually, you're right. I hadn't thought about that. But they're playing Isle of Wight next year. So mm. that's cool. I'm going to go. Really? Yeah, I, lo- I love it. I've been there a couple of times. It's a great festival. I've seen them there. I've played there many times as well. So. I'd say it's an amazing festival to actually play at. It has to be yeah, in the top two or three worldwide. Yes, it's fantastic. Uh, uh, he's a friend of mine, the guy who runs it, John Giddings. He's mm. a fantastic man, yeah. Yeah. Would you be a, a massive concert goer yourself? I do enjoy it. I, I Yes, man. You know, if I lived in Europe or uh, in the UK, I would have definitely been more of a festival bunny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would there be many in South Africa? Many gigs, many festivals? Yes, we've got, we've got festivals. Uh, of course, COVID has uh, kind of shut a lot of them down. But, uh, there's a lot of small little weird ones happening now next to rivers and stuff, which is cool. Right. So, 
just like we've lost venues, we've got a whole bunch of new venues with awesome sound. And there's mm. a lot of um, there's a lot of people who left the the music industry. Uh, some of the technical guys and stuff, right? So now I've got people who sits, who's sitting with warehouses full of equipment and who's got gigs, who's, there's corporate shows coming in here and stuff. But the people who used to run these machines, the engineers and everybody's all left. So, uh, but it's maybe cool because there's a lot of students still out there. So um, we're getting the students, uh, you know, it'll all work itself out. Yeah, that's kind of cool then that the younger generation are actually getting a chance to you know, get some experience and try their hand at that. Yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something good from, from the vid. <laughs> yeah, every cloud has a silver lining, huh? <laughs> so um, after you guys broke up, was there a period when you were wondering what you would do with yourself or was there a period when you were thinking the band will never come back, I'll have to do something else? Yeah, well, uh, so I had to make money some way, somehow, and um, there was nothing there, so I had to do modeling. Right, right. Yeah, I was the only guy with leggies. <laughs> you have got a, a good jawline for, the, the, for modeling. The German... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was fun, but I could never laugh on cue. It was very, very, very really? difficult. You know, it's like one, two, three, smile. It's like, mm. anyway, that was a short stint. I, 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 thought, I thought that was uh, really soul destroying, but uh, it paid some bulls. And then I started writing my solo album. Uh, and, uh, but then I realized that there was no, no support. So it's my career, my music career is probably over. Mm. So right. I thought, okay, I'll just write the album for myself. And then I got a fr- then I got um, these two friends that came in and financially helped me to record the album. But um, yes, there was a moment there that I thought it's totally over, and um, so well, that's probably it now. I don't know, you know. Um, so it's crazy. You get this finality. Um, but then, um, then I wrote my first solo album, and that solo album did uh, very, very well. So. So thank God for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How did you feel about uh, being a solo artist compared to being in a band? Whereas, you know, in a band, there's four, five, six people to take credit or share the blame when things don't work out. But when you're solo, it's all on you. Yeah, there's a permanent difference. Uh, and that's why I love doing nude call shows and playing with the band because the difference is the fact that the one you feel kind of um, you are responsible for everything the, from the show from you you just feel like a little bit like of that but then with a band it's cool because you're one of many you're in a gang yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you know it's such a much more relaxed vibe and there's a it's a band of brothers, you know, that's fun. Yeah. But I must say, in my solo capacity, I've got fantastic musicians now, but um, I still feel more relaxed when I'm with the new girls. So. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it'll be uh, something that'll go side by side for, for the rest of your life, the solo career and the new girls? Or <clears throat> um, Well, I, I, it, it, I think it's quite logical to say that uh, 
I think my solo career will probably last maybe longer because it's not as energetic and um, crazy as the nude calls, you know. Um, So it's going to be hard to play those gigs when you have a Zimmer frame and stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. But, it's, but it's it's sometimes it's awkward. But so, then the Stones can do it in their in their late seventies. Incredible, incredible! I tell you, incredible. Yes. So let's see. Let's see where this all goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love I love your optimism. <laughs> I'm also drenched in optimism, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. The uh, the last gig you guys played together, when would that have been? Two weeks ago or a week ago. I was thinking yeah. it was recent enough. Yes, yes. it was. So, so we did these uh, four gigs and four, uh, three of them was really good. And the one I just felt I didn't have rhythm or I couldn't connect really. Right, Maybe. right. Yeah, you get these nuts. It's just flipping weird. But I got in the I got in the lead singer of uh, Sugar Drive and the lead singer of Wonderboom, and they came in on stage and did some songs with, and that was that was cool. I kept them there, <laughs> <laughs> entertained. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have to ask the um back to the the release and the album and the first one in 13 years whose idea was it first to start get the ball rolling and well we had i think we had these shows in, in south africa and, and the guys were flying down to lumos he's coming down from the uk to come do them and then we kind of worked it out and okay but hang on let's just stay for a month do a couple of gigs and then record an album hmm. so i wrote a bit of songs before the time um, you know, like we always do, I take a couple of songs there um, and don't finish them totally because it's nice to get developed by them. Plus, I've, anyway, and then also the band, Theo came up with like the licks for Emerging Submarines and Best Friends, Best Enemies. So it just, um, so we, we planned it in, in a month, which in a perfect world, it would be great for a band to spend three months together to really... Hmm. Work it out, man. You know. Yeah, yeah. But we did it, and we did it, and we did it, and um, in a way, it, it makes it makes it part of its charm. It's not too, it's not too polished. Yeah. But um, yeah, we've had a, a really great response to the album, and um, I must say, I'm a, I'm a bit blown away by it, and it's fantastic because. Um, these days, you know, we only listen to one songs at a time. So in, if, 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 if a band brings out an album, it is a big thing. I mean, uh, yeah. it, it is fantastic. Uh, it is still a, a Pandora's box to still listen to a whole album and get the vibe, you know. And I tend to do that because I paint a lot. Um, so I get to listen to a lot of music. Also, South Africa is so massive that we drive forever. Hmm. And... Uh, of course, um, it's great to listen to music in cars and stuff. You know, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's almost a a weird feeling when you see a band has released an album, or at least I feel that way when I go onto Spotify and see a band have actually released a whole album, as opposed to you know, as you said, singles. It's very strange, but it's great, and 
it's definitely something we shouldn't lose going into the future. Bands should keep putting out great albums. You know, I don't. We were talking about it the other day, and the fact is, it will never go away because it is a body of work. It's a time of your life. Hmm. You're gonna like I've done my album now, so now um, okay, all the new girls. So it's done now, so we relax a little bit. But then about February next year, I think we must start on our new adventure. Right. And maybe put out a new single. And uh, let good production steer the way to what's going to happen down the road. You know what I mean? And uh, so you're going to, uh, so that's what we do as musicians. We build up bodies of work because uh, you give yourself a break and then you go on what you do, what you do. So I think that will, that will kind of hope, hopefully always be there. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Anyway. The, um, a very good friend of the show is actually a, a massive fan of yours. His name is Xander. And he's the one that actually introduced me to your music. And I asked him if he had any questions for you, if you don't mind. Yeah. He, um, he said when he was growing up in South Africa, that bubblegum on my boots was the anthem of his teen years. He wants to know what is the song about and what influenced you to write those lyrics? Um, so it's a mixture between the bass uh, from Pixies kind of thinking of sonic youth type of kind of, um, you know what I mean? Uh, that kind of rith- rhythmic thinking Yeah. of just, just go, man. You know what I mean? That thing. And then, uh, also I loved uh, Papa Don't Leave Me Henry from the Nick Cave, The Bad Seeds, that album, Henry's Dream, that came out round about the time that we came up with that song. Hmm. And I had uh, Papa Don't Leave Me Henry, Papa Don't Leave Me Boy. Something with the, and with the B's and the P's, you know, it, it works great for explosive uh, feeling to a song. Yeah, yeah. The baser. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all a mixture, a conglomeration of subconscious listening and being inspired by these musicians mm. that probably um, took it towards that um, bubblegum. My boots today, bubblegum. It sounded like actually all those songs all in one, <laughs> in a certain way, probably for me, you know. Yeah, it was just a natural progression of um, of the times. It, you know, these songs kind of almost write themselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen some archive footage of you guys rehearsing, and I love the way you seem to come up with the songs on the spot, or at least some of the songs on the spot during rehearsals. You know, you're jamming with the band, and the lyrics just start coming out of you. I I find that very interesting and almost unusual in a sense as well. You don't see it with many musicians doing it that way, you know? Well, that's when the magic happens. So it's, it's always a race, of, a race of time to quickly record it. Um, even, uh, in the old days, to quickly try and remember it and stuff because uh, then we didn't have dictaphones and stuff. But um, now we can quickly record it or whatever. But that's when the magic happens is in those first couple of seconds because you start to get the idea of something that can be uh, different or, you know, to yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that, that, is, that is magical. I thought everybody must do that. Everybody does do that, don't they? <laughs> I think only the great ones do. I, I'll go with that. <laughs> so um, have you guys got any, any future plans? Um, um, well, so I think we must next year start. Um, so the bassist lives in the UK now because the original band recorded um, Party Apocalypse, right? Hmm. And uh, trumpet playing keyboardist uh, Adrian lives in San Francisco now. So we've got guys playing with us and standing in for them and stuff. So, but, but, so next year... It's going to be interesting because I would like to get going. So uh, we'll, I think we'll we'll start recording and um, see if we can maybe the other guys send stuff or or we'll just use um, what our new guys or whatever. But I think it it must go on. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, man, it's too much fun not for, for it to go on. Just start putting out singles, kind of thing. And then work up towards an album. Yeah. Any any signs of a, a big tour for next year? Um, actually, not at all. We haven't even thought of that at all. Really? No. It, it's also up and down with the COVID and the stuff. So yeah, you know, we're just thinking uh, we've got a tour now for this. It's the, this is now the big season coming up hmm. for touring now. So we've got tours coming up December. Yeah. Now, but for next year, not really. Not, not. I haven't even thought of that. All I know is I'm going to Isle of Wight. Right, right. And my next question, actually, funny, you mentioned the Isle of Wight. Is there any chance or what are the chances of some international dates? We'll have to talk to people. I don't know. We've, we've, we've had some, uh, a bit of uh, airplay in Barcelona and somewhere in Germany. I don't know. So who knows what can come from that? You know what I mean? We must talk to the record company. Let's mm. make the record company uh, sort this out. Yes, exactly, exactly. If the if the listeners would like to actually get in contact with the record company and tell them they want the nude girls to play in their country. Definitely. There we go. Mongrel. Mongrel Records. <laughs> I know for one, I'd absolutely love if you guys came to Ireland. Have you ever... Play, you've never played Ireland before. Have I've you? been in Ireland once at a festival. Uh, really? I played there in a festival in my uh, solo capacity. And uh, the script was there. Uh, I think uh, I quickly met the guy, uh, the guys from, from the script there. Because um, my drummer then was the drummer for Palantini, Jim DeGood, the Scotsman. Ah. So um, anyway, uh, it was fantastic. And I thought the Irish had beautiful, beautiful women, ladies. I saw a lot of blue eyes and dark hair, and it's like a weird combination. And uh, yeah, really beautiful. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, something we can agree on. Anyway, I kind of have to. Anyway, my my uh, partner is an Irish lady, so I'd kind of be killed if I said anything otherwise. I think uh, let's go with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the last couple of questions, then. If you could see any performer for one night only from history in concert, who would it be? At their height. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yes, that is crazy because it's there's so many incredible. Oh my god. You know what? Just because I know all the music, I think I would go for I'll go for Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds on a good night. Really? Yeah, I can do Elvis Presley. That'll be fantastic. And um, you know, uh the doors would be great. Jim Morrison, imagine oh, yeah. Bob Marley would be great, but uh, talking heads, my God, talking heads will be yeah. cool. Yeah. So I wonder, shouldn't we go to talking heads? Oh, God, I don't know. You actually caught me off guard there now. I was, I would have expected all the rest, but Elvis, I wouldn't have taken you for a... I saw at Isle of Wight once a cover band of Elvis Presley, but they had the orchestra and the background singers and everything. And I thought, geez, imagine if that was really Elvis. Yeah, you know what I mean. This this must have been an incredible show. You know what I mean. Yeah, so, and imagine in Vegas. Yeah, at the height, like say sixty seven, sixty eight, when ah. it was, it would have been the yeah. ultimate. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think mm, I definitely think. want to see. Mm. Still go for Nick Cave, though. Yeah. Uh just because of my. Uh, uh, my darker side. I think I would ra- ravel in the. Just give me some darkness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of darkness, how dark do you go? Would you go as far as Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie and guys like that? Yeah, I love Marilyn Manson on the Super Superstar Super Christ Superstar album. Yeah, yeah. That is still a phenomenal album. It's. Fantastic. I, I love the, it was a tour de force of grotesque, but it was still just a circus. I mean. Yeah. 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 So, um, but it was fun. I love it when, I mean, I, in the 80s, I used to be a Boy George fan. I love it when uh, andro- androgynous, weird, uh, artists should co- co- uh, catch you from an angle. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm a bit of a journalist in that sense that I love observing it. Mm. and enjoying it. I can't say myself, I mean, although I've played in many addresses and stuff like that, and I love doing it, but I've never been able to... Uh, okay, well, I did go as a gay shot once, which was quite a great show. Really? <laughs> I think I can do better. You know? <laughs> 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 so last year's Halloween show was a gay show, so it was oh. a fantastic musical show. So we recorded it. I've got that, and we recorded our CD launch now. So I'm going to put it together, and we're going to re-edit it into a kind of a movie vibe. Oh man, that'll yeah. be that'll be brilliant to see. Yes, Very that's exciting. going to be cool. Yeah, I'll get Theo to zoop up the sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, Over boost it. Oh yeah, that'll have to be done. <laughs> well, you should um, you should definitely make plans, add plans into next year now to do some sort of. Marilyn Manson type sort of extravaganza. Um, man, I think Marilyn has done it. He's done it well. But <laughs> <laughs> I think we need another one. <laughs> you know, uh, Marilyn, yeah. Yeah, Marilyn is like, he's like a tattoo. It looks good on other people. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's possibly the best way anyone has ever described him. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, yeah. on that note, I'll move on to the next question. If you could be locked in a room with any performer from history, dead or alive, hopefully they're alive while you're in the room with them, for 24 hours, who would you pick? At the peak of the, at the peak of the performance. <laughs> right. That would probably make for a better night. <laughs> Let's go for the peak of the performance. All right. I'm a big Michael Caine fan, so I would love to spend a night with Michael Caine. A day really? or whatever. Yeah, I think he must be such an interesting guy. Or I think he, even when he was young, he must have been a fantastic drinker. And a, yeah. I've got, I've done, I think I've done his book uh, from Elephant to Hollywood. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Really? I, I do audio books because I'm dyslexic, you know. Mm. So he reads it himself and it's, oh, he sounds like such a cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I actually love audio books as well. I used to be a, an avid reader, but as I'm getting older, I feel like my attention span is getting less and less. And by the time I'm near the end of the page, my mind starts to wander. So I find audiobooks are definitely better nowadays I, uh, yeah. they really keep your attention especially if the the author is reading them themselves i'll have to add michael Caine's to the list oh you've got to do that one but then if they make books this size hmm. i think you might be able to pay more concentration <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah. oh it'd have to be michael Caine young though for the 24 hours because I think I feel like he could be quite grumpy nowadays. You know, he, he's in his what his eighties. Exactly. I, I, w- I would prefer to the Jack Nicholson early days, you know. Mm. There was, was a whole bunch of them that I think must have been great fun. Even uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, I think Brad Pitt in, in their heydays was probably great fun as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a bit scared even. of Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> That could get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't really great for getting away with things. No, 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 no. Yeah, and as he's got older, I know it's a great thing that he is uh, reformed and all, but he seems a bit more boring. You know. But everybody is a bit more boring when they get older. When they uh, do their thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe. True. So uh, the final question. Behind that boring facade, I can tell you, is a lot of rage, I think. With Robbie, Robert Downey Jr.? Most old people. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> Are you speaking about yourself as well? Yeah, I think that is a... I think, I think we just get better at handling our facial expressions. <laughs> I think as we get older we just get better at not giving a fuck really exactly yeah 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 I like yeah. to watch these old uh, like Skuminski me- uh, method and uh, um, oh yes you know um, you get these comedies that is these older comedian and mm. I, I find it absolutely I love it yeah I actually love that show I love uh Michael, Michael Douglas. Yeah. He's a, he's always been a great actor. And a Kirby enthusiasm. 
Mm. Another great, great one. Great yeah. one. Yeah. Always a little bit obnoxious sometimes, but mm. you know, you could just you read some, you can some read some stuff while he's obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, true. If um if you had to pick a song that would appear on the soundtrack to your life, what song would it be? True. It'll drive you crazy. Just not, not for into, into eternity, just once off, right? It's not going to be on repeat. On either. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you want it to be. <laughs> I, I want to hear the sound of the cosmos. But, um, uh, um, one song. Uh, you know what? You know, I don't know if it lyrically sums, it doesn't lyrically sums me up because songs, is, is every line in a song has got, can, can spur out to, to multiple, uh, it, it, you know, explanations and thoughts and experiences. But a song that always through all the years has made me feel good is uh, Waterboy's Hole of the Moon. Really? I, I know, but it's such a... Yes, it just makes me it, feel... It is a really feel-good song. It Very is a song unexpected, it's, but... It, it's kind of that... It, the way that he sings out with the reverb, it's like he's going somewhere. I picture mm. a rainbow. You know what I mean? Ah, yeah. It takes you somewhere. and But you saw the whole of the moon. Mm. What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> You, you just made me think of something else for fans of yours that and people that would know you is there any music you listen to that they would be surprised by okay here's the thing me and my wife are the only people and my my on my groups of friends and whatever whether we actually know certain songs or all the lyrics to Culture Club, Boy George, oh. uh, first album. Really? Yeah, some, like The Victims, The Victims We Know So Well, uh, and, and crazy, me and my wife. So that is uh, definitely uh, a weird thing. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's, yeah. I wouldn't mind uh, Culture Club or Boy George myself. Now it's not too weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that I, I really loved the, the image and everything in the 80s, the, the androgynous thing that was coming out and yeah. all that stuff. But it doesn't mean that the music was always that fantastic. And uh, But it, it somehow I, I listened to it so much that... Uh, but I am a big 80s fan when it comes to, like, the Pesh Mode. Tia Sophia's first album is still one of my favourite albums. Yeah. Um, Blanche. Oh, my God, there were so many fantastic uh, stuff that came out of the 80s yeah i feel like the 80s is always a decade you can go constantly go back to for great music yeah 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 yeah. is it somehow did you did you sense the fact that 90s there's not a lot of bands doing 90s covers right (laughs) 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 i can't say there is no what is he singing what's the <laughs> yeah, actually, it's like when it comes to covers, they seem to stop at 1989. Yeah, uh, it's just, I don't think that the 90s was cover friendly. No, no, <laughs> I think you have to be one hell of a singer as well to be able to hit some of them notes. 
imagine imagine <laughs> yeah you know and some of the guys that would be playing covers you know it's more so just a hobby and they're not getting paid enough to strain their vocal cords like that exactly <laughs> <laughs> paid enough to do good yeah <laughs> oh oh <laughs> How would you, uh, speaking of Kurt Cobain, I've heard you uh, you guys compared to Nirvana. How do, you, how do you feel about that? That is amazing that somebody said that. Um, mm. I really couldn't. Uh, well, I think the, the, the thing that we all had in common was we ripped off the pixies, isn't it? I was <laughs> just lot. going to say it. <laughs> 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 I must say, I was, I was so, it's from 18 and then 19, uh, I went to the army and I was on the border, the Mozambique border with five guys. And, um, and we were just listening to old Rolling Stones and Pixies album and, of course, Nick Cave and Sisters of Mercy and, mm. and Happy Mondays and Sunita Connor. But the fact is um, that Pixies album on the border in the middle of nowhere, it felt like it was alien. Mm. It was so not grunge, but it was better, you know, sonically yeah. than the pure grunge for me. So for me, they were always kind of, they had such a special sound. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever feel like they get their dues, but do you ever feel like they don't get enough credit? No, I think they've got enough. And I don't think they want more. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not that, I don't, somehow, you can't speak for other people, but it doesn't feel like they're that type of band, you know, like that. Mm. Um, I think they're well aware of, of our, uh, what an influence they've had on, on that time. And, yeah. You know, it, it, <clears throat> in that time, it, I mean, the less people knew about you, the better, the cooler. I mean, I went through a big, big uh, a period of the nineties where I didn't, I, I didn't do interviews, and yeah. because they said I mustn't do interviews because I was so so crap at it. <laughs> really, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm much better yet. <laughs> but anyway, you know, the band broke up. <laughs> I'm back at it. <laughs> anyway, so, but the thing is, yeah, and that worked. It was crazy. The less interviews I did, the more the people wanted. They called me a reclusive or exclusive rock, something, you know, something like that. the mystique around you. Yeah. So it, it, it's amazing how that used to work. Hmm. That would be very hard to accomplish nowadays. No, <laughs> nobody will care. <laughs> Nobody's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, God. <laughs> so um, the final thing then is my favourite, Theo's favourite, probably not your favourite, Crystal Balls is going to play us out this evening. Would you like to tell us a bit about the song? Yeah. So this song... Um, okay, so the influences on this is uh, uh, woke up yesterday. Da, 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 da. I'll be running in the wind. What's that song? 
Against the wind. I'll be running against the wind. That's, you know that song? Yeah, yeah, sounds familiar, Ari. Yeah. Maybe Chris Christopherson, I'm not sure, or somebody else. Mm. Um, so I, I kind of had that vibe in, in my head. So the song starts almost like that. Classified as a mighty mind, sure fire is a decline. <clears throat> so it's got that old <clears throat> kind of vibe to it. And, uh, but then the beat was a little bit uh, Billy Jean, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Quite interesting. And then it's got this um, chorus that's almost a little bit like Hole of the Moon kind of thing, you know. Yeah. I don't know what, what's, what's this. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, but here we go. The f- fact is, Crystal Ball is about a relationship with somebody that is a turbulent relationship like mm. most people have turbulent relationships. Um, and where the future just keeps knocking you down two steps forward, one step backwards. That's also part of a global phenomenon. And then also putting in the crystal ball there that things are, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's very dim. <clears throat> and it's just this kind of a, a humoristic irritation with the thought that things are always just always just got to throw a little bit of salt in the wound. Yeah. 
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this show. If you did, rate and review us on iTunes. Really helps the show grow. You can find us on social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast. And be sure to check out our website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us. We've got three tiers available. If that's something you're interested in, you'll get access to a private Discord, exclusive uncut video versions of the podcast, early access to ad-free versions of the episodes, and much, much more. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.